This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome back. Afternoons on News Talk 770. Rob Breckenridge with you, 403-974-8255. So this has become a major story uh, here in the city of Calgary for the last couple of weeks anyway. Uh, and concern about HR practices within the Calgary Police Service. Uh, we have this report surface from a few years ago that found all kinds of problems and, and concern that there was even a, a culture of intimidation where uh, members who had been abused or harassed didn't feel comfortable, didn't feel safe coming forward. So I think we had the issue of the fact we didn't know about that for a long time, but questions of what's changed uh, and whether there has been significant change. And if not, where do we need to go from here? So a lot's been said about it. We had that news conference yesterday that we listened in on involving uh, the police chief, uh, the mayor, and and others uh, on behalf of the CPS and the police commission. Now, uh, somebody who wasn't there uh, but uh, seemed part of the conversation at at times uh, held her own news conference today, though, to talk about these issues is Diane collier who's the city councilor for Ward 13, is also on the uh, police commission board and is in studio with us here today. Diane, thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure. Uh, okay, so let's let's take a step back because you became a part of this story earlier this year. You you were contacted by a number of of officers who were looking for somewhere to to go to to share what had happened to them, their own stories. Is that right? Yes, uh, they were wanting to be heard, and I think it really started two years ago when there were similar issues um, or concerns going on in the counselors' offices, and uh, so. Uh, Councillor Drew Farrell and I um, took this forward to Mayor Nancy and, and he was a strong partner in taking this forward to hire an outside consultant to really delve into what, you know, what were the issues of past and present employees. Mm-hmm. And uh, that resulted in uh, us hiring an ethics advisor and an integrity commissioner. Uh, so, you know, you've known me for a long time. I was a human rights commissioner for 10 years. And uh, so I, I think they came to me because I've had a long-standing interest and um, and uh, motivation to deal with issues such as this. Uh, you know, way back to when I was a civilian commissioner in the early 90s, I was on Christine Silverberg's uh, selection committee. I worked with her for the five years when she was addressing a lot of these issues. Uh, so, so yeah, they, they wanted to meet with me. Um, they wanted to meet with me in private. They were afraid of, uh, of their identity being disclosed, yeah. being with me. So, yeah, originally, you know, there were just a, two or three of them that came, and there were the iPhones in the middle of the dining room table that were on speakerphone where others could join in. Uh, so there was a lot of caution, and uh, they had to build up a lot of trust before they started talking. Now, you... Did you contact the chief or did you urge them to contact the chief? So what happened was when I first met them, I said, you know what, Uh, we have to have some ground rules here because I'm not the sort of person where you're just going to complain to me and I'm not going to do anything about it. Uh, As soon as you start telling me these stories about uh, people who have left the service, uh, who've lost their careers because of this, who are on long-term disability, short-term disability, marriages have been wrecked because of the anxiety, stress, etc., I'm going to do something with this. Uh, so we had two or three more meetings, maybe four. Uh, in the end, I think there were 15 to 18 uh, uh, women police officers uh, on my back patio, and we had a go-forward plan. And uh, that basically was that I was going to take all this forward to the chief. I absolutely uh, did not want any of this going to the police commission. I felt it was the chief's responsibility mm-hmm. to know about all this and to, uh, in turn, um, uh, take it forward in the way he saw fit. So... 
Uh, I met with the chief uh, in my office on August the 29th and transitioned the whole file over to him. We had a great conversation, and uh, we met for three hours talking about these various issues and uh, and handed it over to the chief. And uh, I was very pleased that he was going to take it forward. Well, and, and it's good that he's getting engaged in the in attempting to deal with the issue. Now, and uh, from what I understand, that that some of the officers feel as though maybe he pulled back on some of his commitments, that there had been a, a suggestion made or maybe even a commitment made that he was going to go to uh, an outside authority to deal with these matters. And then once they had the chance to meet with him face to face, he backed down from that, said maybe it would be too expensive to do that. So are, are there mixed messages that these, these officers are getting from the chief? I can't speak, Rob, for, uh, for what happened in those conversations. Uh, it, it's interesting to note, and I, and I do need to, to say that once I handed it over to the chief and, you know, for whatever reason they felt that it, it went well or it didn't go well, um, they became disappointed in me uh, because then they started contacting me again and I wasn't responding because I thought it was very inappropriate once I'd handed it over to the chief. The chief, um, you know, and I really, I, unequivocally, I support Chief Chafin. We need to do better and we need to move forward on this and I want to work with him on this. But he put me in touch with the Office of Inclusion. I had a great conversation with a woman there that, uh, that uh, was consulting at the time. And um, then, you know, I think they wanted to either go through the grievance process or meet with these women one-on-one, and they didn't feel safe meeting one-on-one. They wanted to meet in a group. So I don't know what happened. They became disillusioned, I think you could say, with that process. That's when they sent a letter to the Calgary Police Commission, and then the commission got involved that would have been probably mid-June. Okay. So where are we at now? Um, we had this news conference yesterday, and I think the mayor made the point uh, that he feels as though that report in June suggested that the, uh, a lot of steps have been taken on this, this report from 2013. Uh, what you've pointed out today is that there may be some, some key areas in that review that, that haven't yet been addressed. So where are we at? Yeah, good. Uh, the, this is a 2013 report. Um, uh, we just released the city of Calgary's uh, employee survey report yesterday, and uh, and I believe that we need to do that same survey within the Calgary Police Service uh, staff. Um, so there were a lot of things in when the chief reported to us in June at the commission. Of course, in camera again, all this has been discussed in camera by the commission for five months now. Yeah. So I was very pleased to see a press conference yesterday where we could at least start talking about this. Um, and which is why I responded today in my own way. Uh, but, um, but there were a lot of things that weren't addressed on a go-forward basis uh, in that plan. Uh, so, so where are we at today? Um, we, uh, I want your listeners to know that this just doesn't involve female police officers, sworn police officers in the Calgary Police Service. I've got many, many emails from men as well that are sworn yeah. police officers. This also exists within the civilian side of the service. A thousand employees are there, and they have this. There's this convoluted relationship between the Calgary Police Service and their under QP, and who do they who do they respond to? So I've heard just as many stories from the civilian side. So uh, what's what's abundantly clear is that the complaint mechanism is broken and it doesn't work in a chain of command organization. So we need a third party, and I've left uh, my suggestions today that I released uh, at the press conference. We need a third party mechanism uh, with a consultant to come in and see where we're at, 
look at a third-party advocacy uh, complaint mechanism process where it's different than a whistleblower mechanism at the City of Calgary. Uh, people need to feel comfortable to identify themselves so that we can get to the bottom of this. And, and that's the other thing that these ladies told me. Even though it's said that we're making steps and we're moving forward and we're doing these things, there has to be some restitution and reconciliation and validation for what's happened to many of these people up yeah. until now. And there has to be some accountability within the service for that. So that whole process has to take place that's already happened before we can really, uh, you know, just think that, well, okay, it's out in the open now. We can move forward. Uh, it's not over to many people. No. Okay. Well, stand by here, Dan. We'll take a break and we'll come back. We'll t- continue this conversation where this all goes from here and how we resolve these issues within the Calgary Police Service. Uh, Dan Collier-Cart is in studio with us, City Council for Ward 13, part of the Police Commission Board. My name is Rob Breckenridge. This is Afternoons on News Talk 770. Right, welcome back. Rob Breckenridge with you in studio with us. Uh, City Councilor, Police Commission Member Diane Collier-Urkar talking about these HR issues within the, the Calgary Police Service. Uh, now, you also re- released some some of the letters that, that you've received uh, today. And look, I mean, you know, we're talking in vague terms about human resource issues, but some of the specifics of some of these cases and what, what officers say they had to deal with on the force. I mean, it's pretty harrowing stuff. It's actually kind of rather disturbing a lot of this stuff uh so the the fact that that would be going on is bad enough and that maybe there's not a mechanism to address that i mean these are big concerns yes they they are it's um uh you know when you hear about young officers uh like this uh, officer uh that emailed me last night and when he was saying that he could only stand to stay here for six years uh because of you know, the bullying or the intimidation uh, and these sort of things, um, it is concerning. And, um, and and I think when people lose their careers over this sort of thing, um, it, it, it's really unfortunate. Um, I, I think the, the reason that we need to get this complaint process mechanism uh, right and we need to do much better with it is that, you know, filing a grievance through the union is not an option for a lot of these folks because um, with any chain of command organization, people are very close and they know what everyone's doing and they know who's complaining to whom and and some people feel um, that their careers have been stalled because they have taken action. Uh, other women feel that, um, you know, that when they go off on maternity leave uh, that their career is really put in the parking lot when they come back. Um, with the recent closure of uh, the cop stations, uh, some of the women that were working on job share there uh, were just, you know, sent out to the field to find something else that works for you. Um, Many officers are married to other officers, so having flexible work options that work um, is complicated. I understand that when you're you're in a a service where you have to have the coverage and, and have a certain deployment structure. Um, so there are a lot of there are a lot of complicated issues that I think that that we can move forward on, uh, and and it's hard to change culture in organizations. Absolutely, you know, you have thirty, forty year members that are serving, and then you have that culture clash with millennials that are coming in that have MBAs, and they don't put up with this stuff. Yeah. So um, so I think it's a great opportunity. You know, we have the. Uh, 
the uh, International Women's um, Conference coming here to Calgary uh, at the end of 2017, I think it is, 2018. And it'll be a great opportunity for us to demonstrate and show how how we've transformed the organization as it as it relates to dealing with some of these HR practices. Okay, so you made the point today that somebody from the outside needs to be brought in. You'd also suggest, and I think you addressed it today, to say maybe we wouldn't be able to do it, but the idea of rolling the, the police HR department into the city's HR mm-hmm. department, is, is that on the table? I said that, uh, absolutely, because uh, when I met with the chief on April 29th, uh, Jeff Fielding, our city manager, was uh, was going to come, but he had a, 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 his father passed, and he couldn't be there. But Jeff is our city manager, who's been there now for, what, two years, has brought in sort of uh, some really high uh, HR standards and practices that, you know, that, that really can't be surpassed probably anywhere in the country. We're certainly dealing with similar issues within the city of Calgary, but people know they have a mechanism for them to be dealt with. And does there need to be a lot closer alignment and integration of the HR department at the city of Calgary with the police service? Absolutely. The police are not an island unto themselves uh, to, you know, to have a shield behind the police act to say that we're going to run our own show here. At the end of the day, it is the end of the day, um, these are all city employees, and I don't want us to, you know, have these things go through human rights complaints that take two to three years to manifest, or, um, you know, with the RCMP uh, commissioner originally said, you know, this isn't a problem in the RCMP, yeah. uh, only years later for us to now have, what is it, a, a Rob, a $100 million uh, settlement. Well, with, it's huge, well, right? It's huge, And right? is, is the Calgary Police Service facing the potential of lawsuits now? Well, I, 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 I want us to avoid that at every cost. I don't yeah. want to comment on that. Uh, I, I do know things about that. I don't want to comment on that because we need to do better. Um, I'm, I'm pleased that Mayor Nancy was there today saying that this is unacceptable behavior. We must change. Um, I, and, and Chief Chafin's on board. And, and the commission has a huge responsibility around this as well. I sit on the governance committee there. I'm on the commission for another year before I time out. And I'm really looking forward to us all kind of coming together and, uh, and getting this external work done. Okay, well, and it was, it's interesting because I don't know that you and the mayor are really far apart on this, but there almost seems to be kind of a, a war of words here. You certainly seem to have some criticism for you yesterday. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Well, at my press conference today, um, it's, uh, you know, when you take leadership roles on this and when you speak out, uh, absolutely people are going to wonder about what your motivation is. I'm not running for mayor. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and, and I turn that right back on people that, that, uh, that, uh, that direct that criticism. Uh, it's not about me. It is not about me. It is about the men and women sworn and unsworn uh, officers, uh, uh, civilians in the service who incur this, who have incurred this, and as we speak, are dealing with some of these issues within the service. So please, listeners, uh, I I want everyone to know that uh, this is absolutely not about me. Uh, It's it's a passion of mine, and it's something that I'm going to uh, continue to work on and work very closely on uh, with Chief, Chief Chafin, and uh, and the chair of the commission. Um, a lot of people wondering where 
Rick Hansen fits into all of this, because certainly a lot of this was during his tenure. He's obviously moved on. Um, but but does does he need to be a part of this conversation? Uh, well, he's not there anymore. So what do you mean by that? Well, d- d- does he have anything to answer for? Okay, so the same, some of the same uh, uh, officers that met with me took their original complaints to, uh, to Rick Hansen, Chief Hansen. Yeah. And it was because of, of that conversation with the chief that he ordered this, this 2013 report to right. be done. And it took two years. So kudos to Chief Hansen for doing that. And he was so concerned about the identity of these people that were interviewed uh, being disclosed that he had the report go through a law firm so it couldn't mm-hmm. be voiped. And um, then there was an implementation plan. And, of course, the person that was in charge of, of HR during this whole period of time was uh, Deputy Chief Chafin. Yeah. Um, and so um, I, I th- unfortunately, uh, Chief Hansen left before we could get on with these things. And then we took time finding a new chief. So, you know what, we, we can't be looking back and pointing fingers, whether it's at Chief Chafin or former Chief Hansen or me or whomever. Please, uh, I want the focus to be on, on the people who, are, uh, who have brought these matters forward and who, who are still living with the aftermath of many of the effects of it today. All right. Well, Diane, thanks so much for coming in here today. Appreciate this. Thank you. All right. City Councilor Diane Colley-Urquhart. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.